Welcome to Pulpit and Pew, discussions about faith and work from a Christian perspective. Today we'll be talking about working from the middle. A lot of today's discussions about work and the Christian life seem to be geared toward culture making, leading organizations, or the ascent to places of power in companies or startups. What if you're the middle person? Just an average employee who goes to work, doesn't want to be the boss, but wants to figure out how to honor God more at work. Are pastors the best people to be listening to about this? Patrick Reed launches this episode with such questions and concerns. It's not a pastor paddling, but we do discuss the challenges of the pulpit being the primary voice on these matters. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hi, this is uh, Patrick Reed again. And Eric Blower. And we're back with a, another uh, long overdue episode of Pulpit and Pew. Um, and so today, Eric, we're, we're talking about uh, the missing middleman. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, issues that, <clears throat> you know, I'm hearing, um, you know, that frustrate me about conversations about, you know, uh, Christianity and work. And, um, you know, I'm just having an open conversation about, um, you know, and, and, and we're having an open conversation about how to, you know, maybe have a better conversation about this topic. Um, you know, <clears throat> one thing that, that we've been talking about is, um, you know, um, you know, a lot of the conversation right now, I feel that's a frustrating thing for me is um, either, you know, there's a lot of uh, discussion about how to make, how do you, if you're a, uh, a game changer or if you're a, a, uh, a controller in your workplace. First of all, you should become a controller. Um, you should become a um, you know a, a culture setter. Um, and and while you're while you're the culture setter, the business owner, that you should um, you know that you should you the conversation I think that I'm hearing a lot of is you should uh, set your culture in a certain way that uh, you know people can live out their Christian lives and do their work uh, there. But the conversation that I think I'm not hearing enough of is um, what if you're in the middle? What if you don't set culture? What if you, um, you know, what if, what if you're, you're there somewhere between the top and the bottom or even you're at the bottom and, um, you know, it's not your choice, uh, uh, you know, what the mission statement is. You just got to live out um, your life at work. And, and how do you do that um, from a Christian perspective, how do you do that from as as a as a Christian, as a you know Christ follower? And you read some material that sparked maybe some of your frustration about this conversation. You referenced a Piper interview, John Piper interview, yeah. some of the books you've been reading, um, and so maybe some of those observations like you're talking about you've observed in this conversation and some of those frustrations it also stems to the subject of the church in this in the stands of how pastors are talking even pastors are talking yeah. about some of the subject and maybe they too are missing that middle man at work and we're talking more from that same perspective like your job is to somehow change influence shape um, work and I think your observations that we're missing some of those more important conversations that are more accessible to people who are listening to pastors is a part of this 
overall frustration too with the subject of work and trying to discover what does Jesus, what kind of work does Jesus want me to do and what kind of person does Jesus want me to be at work? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, 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 um, and thank you for saying that. And I, and, and actually that's, that's the purpose of, as far as I'm concerned, that's the purpose of this podcast for me is to talk, um, and just kind of give, um, some insight, uh, uh, for pastors who, um, you know, have a microphone, have a, um, an opportunity um, to do lots of different things, but, you know, and, and not, not taking away from all the effort and the work that, uh, and the importance of that job as a pastor, but also to say, like, if we want to have a conversation about work, um, you know, let's say maybe two to three percent of the people who are sitting in your pews are, um, in that position of control, in that position of a business uh, owner or a business leader. Um, and really, you know, that leaves a large percentage of people, uh, let's say, you know, let's say 10 to 15% of those people are not working at all, you know, that, um, you know, that, that, and so maybe that this conversation about work is not necessarily for them um, that I'm having, but the rest of the people in your pews who are working are, um, are, are not in a position of power um, and they're not really ever interested in becoming a, in a position of power. And so how do we have, I'm just challenging you to have, uh, to think of this conversation a little bit differently than I think um, is available uh, readily out there right now. Um, and so, you know, uh, the questions that, like you said, Eric, uh, the questions that, uh, that, that I want to ask in this podcast, that I want to get answered in this podcast, um, that I'm after in this podcast, are what would Jesus have me do for work, number one? Um, and then number two, how would Jesus have me work? Um, and so, you know, that's what I'm interested in. And I, I really appreciate your flexibility in, in having these conversations and, and your curiosity and your uh, you know ability to have this conversation with me. Because honestly, and, and this is something that, you know, I, I'm, I have searched the interwebs and I have looked for um, uh, other discussions about this and I've looked for books and I've read some things and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just beginning this, um, this. And so I think that there are some conversations out there, but almost, a, I mean, I haven't found any other conversations that are being led by non-Christian, but excuse me, by non-pastors. I haven't, I haven't seen any other uh uh, sort of podcasts or books being led by non-pastors. And so we have to recognize that, you know, if you want an answer about um, what it's like to be in the workplace, what it's like to be in the middle, what it's like to be at the bottom, that conversation has to be, I mean, I think there are conversations being had by pastors with um, workers. That that conversation is being had out there. And I think that's the conversations that we have to be looking for. But this is, I think, we have a unique podcast in the sense that I haven't seen anybody else where, you know, pulpit and pew are sitting on level ground and, and actually having this conversation of like, you know, this is what it's like for me, uh, Eric, and you're saying, well, this is what it's like for me. And um, so I think there's some value in that. Anyway, got off yeah, the topic. No, that's not, I don't think that's off topic because you also said earlier in, in our conversation before this podcast that pastors are very similar to that entrepreneur or startup um, person who's starting a business. They are also generally, not all pastors start a church, but right. but maybe they are 
they have the ability and they have their hands on a good amount of the reins to maybe direct or or lead the organization or the church in a new direction. And so they're going to have a lot of similar conversations with business leaders or people that are in that same kind of niche of life. And so that's framing maybe the perspective in which they are talking to people in the pew or or to others out there that they think are listening. And I think that that's an astute observation that we have to be willing to look at that lens through which we may be seeing things. Right. And maybe some of the frustration and observations you're picking up on as someone who's maybe on the receiving end of some of those sermons or conversations um, need to be had to help leaders um, maybe create space for more voices. Yeah. Maybe, um, you know, engage in topics that are more accessible or arise out of the lives of the people you're pastoring or leading versus this top-down kind of idea that we agree is out there that the end goal of everything is to get control of the whatever (laughs) and (laughs) to be the king. Uh, But what if you're never the king and you're the slave? Right. Quote, unquote. Right. You know, that idea that you're at the lowest part. So I I think that you're... I know you're not trying to turn this into a paddle the pastor (laughs) kind of conversation, but it is an essential thing that needs to happen if we're really going to help people figure out how to follow God in the life they have, not the life the pastor thinks they should have or the CEO coach thinks they should have, right? but the one they actually have. Exactly. Exactly right. And yeah, and exactly. And that's, I mean, what I said to you, frankly, was I think pastors have a bias and especially the pastors writing the books that I'm reading um, or that I have available out there, think about the success that you have to have to sell a book. You have to you have to have some pretty great success, first of all, um, as a leader in order to create this thing that is going to sell. And so, automatically, a person who writes that book has a bias towards a person towards a person who is going to be leading and changing. And so. I think if we have we have to recognize this, and I think that there has been some things, and, and we'll get to this at the uh, you know towards the end of our conversation here. But I think I just wanted to point out I do think that there has been some conversations had that are focused more on the you know in, on on the middle ground, um, and and we'll we'll get to that. But at this point, like you said, we're just identifying um, you know what what I've observed and. And so just give me, and I'm just going to give you some examples of um, some of the things that, um, that, that I've sort of recognized out here. Um, so um, I, I was reading this article by uh, John Piper. John Piper is uh, the founder and teacher of DesiringGod.org, um, and he's the uh, chancellor of Bethlehem College and uh, Seminary. And, it, you know, his bio says for 33 years, he served as pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church, Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's author of more than 50 books, including Desiring God, Benetations of Christian Hedonist, and most recently, Why I Love the Apostle Paul, 30 Reasons. And he, he was asked, um, uh, you know, so he was on a, a conference called Engage uh, in Australia. He was speaking to young workers. That was the focus of the conference. And... Um, Young workers, like like Christian workers in churches, or or workers in in any field. Do you know? That's a great question, and that's that was not refer- that was not uh, decem- you know deciphered. I don't okay. I don't know. Um, so, um, you know, so his his conversation was you know in that lingo, young workers is young professionals, 
in the workplace. He was asked in the interview, uh, he says, I was asked in the interview if I thought this focus was a good idea. Uh, and he says, I said yes because 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all in the glory of God. And he asked, uh, how can young workers glorify God at work? And he says, um, he gave a, a list of things, and he has some description on here, so I, I think it's important. Nine things. Nine yeah. things. And he, um, you know, he, he, he did talk about um, them in more detail, and I, I don't want to spend all the time that we have talking about um, the detail of them. But the, the gist of his answers are dependence, number one, integrity, skill, um, corporate, corporate shaping, shaping uh, impact, communication, and love, money, which he says work is where you make and spend money. Um, so I'm not exactly, there's some detail there, but um, giving thanks, uh, and that was the last one. So those are the things that he kind of identified. Um, and then, uh, you know, and so um, just kind of going on, uh, you know, he, he, he had a conversation with Tim Keller, and I think we, you know, if, you, if you've ever looked for um, some discussion um uh, about this topic that we're we're talking about, which is faith and work, then you're gonna come across Tim Keller's book, um, Every Good Endeavor, um, which is uh, and so you know he John Piper apparently was talking with Kim, Tim Keller, um, and and he says um, all good work is done, all good work done well is God's calling. I actually do think the Calvinist understanding of calling, which is doing God's work from a Christian worldview. And the Lutheran understanding of calling, which is simply caring for creation and being useful to other people through work, are complementary. Um, and he says, "I'm just quoting this here. When I notice, when I read from the two very so, oh, this is my this is my comment actually. When I notice, um, when I read from the two very influential pastors about the bigness of these ideas surrounding work, um, they're they're big sometimes to the point of vagueness. And I'm I'm just kind of pointing this out." Because I think that I've noticed this is a, a sort of sort of common, um, and so, you know, the 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 question that I have in this is where do these big ideas, um, where do they apply to the common man, if you know, and that's the question that I have. You know, where where do I sit in this? Where does the middle income earner who has very little influence on the corporate structuring of his or her workplace? apply these big ideas. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of the question. And, and that, that's the observation that I have. And, and, you know, going further, one thing, you know, and so that's, that's my observation. And um, yeah, I'm actually happy to hear back from you guys if your observation has been different or the same. Um, but, you know, one thing that I've, I've heard discussed recently that I think is really um, uh, hopeful is um, the need for pastors to engage people, uh, you know, those, let's say 80% of the, of the pew, maybe 60, maybe 90, we'll see, um, depending on your, your church. Um, but engaging people in the, in the, in the pew uh, in their work as they would uh, the same way as engaging uh, missionaries uh, as they're going out into the mission field. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting idea, and um, 
you know, another thing that I heard um, is that pastors may be intimidated to speak to, uh, you know, people about their work lives because they're afraid that, um, you know, they, they may not understand the work kind of in their heart of hearts. They may not understand how to have this conversation with people. Um, but I wanted to encourage, you know, uh, pastors out there that, you know, you know, to approach this in the same way that you would uh, a teenager is my thought. Um, you know, you don't have to understand the context. Uh, so you understand, the, you know, you ask questions in order to understand, knowing that you have the tools and the power through the Holy Spirit to help um, us middle income earners through difficult uh, and challenging situations in, in our unique environments. Um, and that's kind of my um, thought on this is like, please don't be afraid. Please don't don't fear um, talking to uh, those people. First of all, um, I would just identify that, uh, and please agree with me if you if you will a little bit that uh, the the conversation being handed down from uh, books and successful you know pastors and authors may be a little bit one sided. I don't think it's not. A valuable. I think it's very valuable, and I'm reading Tim Keller's book right now, and I and I appreciate his authorship and his um, delving into this conversation. But um, I think that there's there's more to be done, and um, what I'm asking for you to do is to not fear uh, that that conversation. So we're being willing to have that conversation. So. Um, you know, re recently, um, and I'm, I know I'm talking a lot here, but, you know, got a lot to say, I guess. Um, yeah, I found a few groups of people, however unique, um, that are really trying to address the questions that I, you know, that I have from this perspective. And one that I've been most impressed with, and I'm just kind of giving you, um, you know, you an idea of maybe some, some strings to pull on here. Uh, one is the Denver Institute for Faith and Work. Um, I think, you know, Eric, you know, you and I found these guys in different ways. Um, at about the same time, but I think um, they have an excellent podcast, and and it, you know I want to unapologetically recommend it. If um you know if you as a listener right now are needing more content that we're than we're able to give you, um, then I think these guys have it, and I'm listening to this podcast as well. And then the other um you know, this this idea of you know launching people into their workplaces as we would um. Uh, missionaries that came from this um uh, this man he's a pastor his name is neil hudson um, and he's um he lives in the uk and he has a book called scattered and gathered and i haven't had a chance to read it yet um but uh you know just hearing him uh, on a podcast you know i was super impressed with him and his approach is completely um in you know, towards, you know, the people that I'm talking about here too, which is kind of the, you know, the people in the middle uh, of the workplace. So um, those, that's kind of, um, if we could, if we could kind of engage in that conversation more um, towards the middle workers, um, I think, I think that would, that would help. Yeah, those are, those are big conversations. And I, and I've been thinking about them since you, uh, initially sent me your thoughts about this podcast and trying to trying to figure out you know where where my perspective is in that conversation and i see similar points brought up a lot i mean when you pastor a group of people that are all from different life stages if you've created a culture where people can talk to you hmm. they'll express things like uh you know the singles 
in in a church. Yeah. Saying that they feel like church is marriage centric. Yeah. And that they as a single person are often lost in that kind of family uh, marriage kind of centric culture that churches often have. And so there's there's that kind of frustration that's expressed. Other times I, you know, young people who are in their teens or kids and does anything you teach ever hit their wheelhouse or their life? <laughs> that same kind of conversation. Um, and then, so I was thinking through, you know, what does the, <clears throat> does the Bible address people who are the middleman at work, that kind of thing? Mm. Um, and I've been teaching through Colossians and now I'm moving into uh, Galatians right now. And yeah. in Colossians, there was just, there's a few verses that mention specifically the issue of work. Mm-hmm. And I thought I thought it was interesting that there seems to be a pattern, I guess is what I'm saying. And the pattern follows the idea of Scripture talks a lot about the kind of person God is making you into. Yep. And then talks a little about what that looks like in all the different spheres of life. Yeah. Uh, we get a lot of narrative type of stuff in Scripture where you see stories about leaders or men and women of God in their in their world as either you know slaves or captives or kings or right. parts of the kingdom or whatever. But there is this idea that Scripture addresses a lot more the quality of the person than necessarily what that person's going to do. Right. And I think sometimes that's frustrating. It's kind of like someone asking the question of, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? Right. What is God, where, where does, does God, God want me want to live? Me? Yeah. What does he want me to do for a job? Does God have one specific person I'm supposed to marry? Right. How do I discern what God wants in this life of many roads going all kinds of different directions? And I think that develops kind of a mindset in some people that Christianity somehow is a roadmap versus a compass. Right. Okay. And and I think some of our challenges we've maybe in have been in circles that give the perception that there's a roadmap to all of these things. Um when in reality the scripture doesn't give a lot of roadmaps. It gives you navigation principles on who you're supposed to be. And so that's difficult and sometimes we can miss how that's applicable. I'll give you a couple exa- I'll give you an example because I heard I was listening to a podcast on on being with uh, Kristen Tippett, and she had a a guy named uh, Jerry Colonna, I think is his name. He has a new book called Reboot, Um, and he's a coach for CEOs and business people. And I was watching a video of his, and the first slide that he brought up, it was kind of like a TED Talk kind of thing. And the slide said, here's a radical idea. We can build better leaders by building better humans. Right. So in other words, he was saying, he was talking to leaders, but he was saying, if you want a better leader, you've got to help them become a better person. Right. And I realized that a lot of the work that I do as a pastor is that kind of work. Yeah. It's helping people develop a relationship with their creator, whom then does the work of shaping and molding them into the type of people that are going to be doing the most good for the most people in their lives, whether as employees or job owners or parents or teachers or students, that that's God's work. And so some people would say, you know, I need I need skills on how to navigate my life when I'm doing the work of saying, well, I'm going to be 
spending most of my type on, time on helping you become the person that God wants you to be so that wherever you are in life, school, mm-hmm. work, or whatever level, you are glorifying God by the type of person you are and the kind of work you're doing. Right. And so in general, I think the scripture teaches us the type of people we should be for whatever work we're going to do. It teaches us how to work in a manner that honors God. Mm-hmm. It teaches us what to do with the money we earn. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's generally what it covers. You know, there's a lot of stuff in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes about the type of, you know, are you a lazy person or are you a hard worker? Do you save? You know, there's a lot of that real practical stuff. Right. But what it comes down to is, again, character development. Mm -hmm. I want this type of worker, no matter what level of power they have. Right. And Colossians, when it kind of focuses on work, it goes... Slave, slave owner. So it grabs both people at the extreme opposites of power. Mm-hmm. And it talks to how can you be, what kind of person can you be in a system that you have no power in? Yeah. So in reality, it really is talking to, you know, in, in that time and culture when you mm-hmm. were brought into slavery or indentured yourself to slavery. We didn't have a penal institution where you went to jail for your crime. You actually went and worked it off for someone. There was lots of different issues about slavery, whatever. We're not going to get into that. But the point being, you're still powerless and you have to live a certain way. And the scripture speaks to that. And then it speaks a little bit to the people who are in power and Mm -hmm. says, you know, be just and equitable. And to the slave, work like you're working for Jesus and do your best to honor him no matter whether the boss is looking or not. Right. Those kind of conversations. So I started feeling like, well, that's a little vague again. We're, we're kind of not really getting down to net brass tacks. And I read one scripture in the Galatians, which I will be doing. It's in chapter 6, so I'm not there yet. But it said, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we each are responsible for our own conduct. Mm -hmm. So those are principles, right? That's teaching you how when you go to work wherever you're at, you're going to be engaged in all kinds of structures that are going to challenge your Christian worldview of how to live life. Right. And so the nitty-gritty of all that is part of this conversation, I think, that you're often expressing a frustration about. How do we live a life of integrity in a job where maybe the mission statement is one we agree with and its values, but in practicality there is kind of a two-half thing where we want to be this way, but in reality we need to make the most money, and so we're going to cut corners. We might be yes. uh, pushing things you don't necessarily believe in. You might have to cut a few throats or step on a few backs to get where you want. Right. We want you to be that way because we want our business to excel. Yes. And so what do you do as a Christian when you're trying to be living out the fruit of the Spirit, which talks about Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And your boss is saying, that's our values, but we really want to make sure that whatever you do at the end of the day, the bottom dollar or makes the, money. Makes money. Right. So if you got to be short with your patient or whatever your world right. situation is, uh, do that. And how do you deal with that as a Christian? Right. And I think those are very interesting and difficult conversations to have. And maybe there is a lack of courage to really get down to the nitty gritty of that because you know that you may be pushing people to a point of crisis in their conscience that will be difficult. Yeah. 
You know, if I say to someone, we're going to really talk about taxes and what you should write off in your nonprofit. Right. If if I say to pastors, let's, let's paddle the pastors a little bit, <laughs> and I watch every every event you go to, you use the church account and write it off yeah. as an expense for your work instead of paying for it for yourself. Is that integrity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can maybe tax wise, it's legal or whatever. Right. But are you handling the people's money that? they gave on a Sunday in a way that they would feel the most positive about that they saw you went and, you know, or I heard another, you know, Hey, let's go on this business trip. We really want to do this and it would be fun and we'll write it off as a a learning teaching trip for our people. So again, that issue of Christian integrity, there's things you can do in the work environment that might be questionable from an authentic biblical discussion about integrity, Christian right. integrity, right. and what's normal or is the way it's done in business worlds. Right. And a pastor is going to have to be courageous to have those conversations. Right. And I would say it'd be easy to avoid some of those often. Sure. Yeah, and I, you know, like what you said about, um, what you said about, <clears throat> um you know the 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 mission statement and the you know and that the difference between the mission and vision statement of you know if, let's say you know let's say the, the you've answered the question for yourself um, which I think I have for myself which is what should I do you know and you've and you've kind of done the work um, of of that <clears throat> uh, and you get into a you know you 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 partner with a business that has a good mission statement and a um, and a good vision statement of how to achieve that mission. Uh, but you're, if you're down the line a little bit um, and your direct superiors don't agree with that mission or their, you know, their objective is to, you know, ultimately we've got to show, you know, we've got to keep, our, I think, and actually I think it, it, it goes back to, for me and for a lot of people, it's, um, you know, how do I keep my, my head below, in, in the trench, below the, the firing squad? And the way that I keep my head below the firing squad is to continue to produce, um, you know, uh, you know, business to continue to make money for the business to continue to show that I'm um, working hard, um, whether I am working hard or not. Um, you know, that's that's the way to keep yourself below the firing line. And so, if our motivation, um, you know, either from our direct superior or you know, even for ourselves is to, you know, to avoid that firing line. Uh, rather, we may sort of have a tendency to, you know, cut corners, like you said. And, and so, you know, um, there's, there's a challenge there. There's a challenge in how to, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you, sometimes you just got to stick your head up above the firing line and, and, you know, and take one. Um, and that's, or do you? And that's the question. So that's the, that's the missional part of this is like, you know, uh, you know, how do you develop, how do you work within a culture that you don't know for yourself? Um, uh, you know, how do you, you know, uh, as, as, you know, as an integral uh, person, um, you know, as a, as a Christ following person, how do you, you know, how do you show that things are, being successful, but also be honest when, um, when 
things are a struggle at work. Um, and I, I think that's a challenge for, for everyone. It is. Yeah. And I know I've, I'm thinking of someone that I've known for a while that for a long period of the time they worked in an, in a job that they, um, the, the job was good and the, and the work and what they did, they didn't have a problem with, but they loathed the owner. Yeah. And they didn't like him as a man. They, he was a despicable kind of person. Yeah. And how their soul uh, was affected over the years of just continuing to work there for that person. Yeah. Because they had bills to pay and families to raise. And I remember when they finally cut ties and left, the change in them mm-hmm. that was a result of finally being able to maybe come into alignment with what they were working and who they were working for found a more um, good and healthy place. And again, those are hard decisions. You can't make that decision for anybody, but you can try to cultivate a community where people are listening to their own souls. They're listening to their own consciences. They are, they're communicating about how they feel. They're able to analyze the stress in their life and see whether or not the environment they're in is hurting them or hurting the ones they love and their family. I think, you know, church and Christian community should be that place where we have a good, we have a good mirror and a good sounding board to maybe start asking the questions that we may or may not be able to answer right. in, as an employee in, in a work life. Right. Um, at the end of the, one of the podcasts I listened to, uh, Jerry Colonna, I think it's the way he's, the interviewer asked him, how do you determine at the end of the day whether you, you can be satisfied with what you did in work that day? Right. Like, how do you know that was a good day good at work? Day. Yeah, at a good and day. his response I mean, I ask myself that in a job where I don't have a lot of numbers and, you know, it's like, well, Sunday there was this many people. How do I judge on Thursday whether it was a good day of work? Right. You know, well, I prayed for this long or I didn't get in a fight with somebody. I don't know. know, What (laughs) what issues? Right. He said, and I thought it was good. He said, I asked myself three things. Did I do good work? Did I do it well? And for the right reasons. Okay. And again... Those are navigational points, right? Right. Not really a map, but I think for me, those are assessment tools that I can personally ask no matter where I'm at in the spectrum of power at work. Right. Did I do good work today or did I half-ass it? Did I push it off on other people? Did I avoid it by doing other tasks instead of getting into the stuff that's more difficult? Right. You know, asking those questions about good work, no matter what level you are. Again, there's some value, there's maybe some integrity issues. There's some things that you're required to do that maybe you wouldn't do at all, good or bad, but you still have to make that decision. Right. Uh, Did you do something well? You know, skill. Yeah. Did did are you proud of what you did? How you handled someone? How you navigated meetings? How you, um, what you produced? The quality of work, whatever that may be. And then at the end, the right reasons. Like, do you feel that your work at the end of the day that you feel good about who you are and why you do it? Okay. Like, and and I think that's important because if you're an insurance person and you're dealing with a lot of paperwork about things that maybe you don't really give. You don't have a lot of care about, right? But the reasons you do it is because you got a wife and three kids, or or you're putting the kid through school, and you know that the reason for that work out 
outvalues the mundanity of that, right? That's what you do, right? You don't want to be a college student and you're working and you're you're stressed out because you're working almost full time and you're trying to take a full time thing, but you know the the reasons you're doing it, so it enables you to endure that, right? And I think those are conversations in the middle ground, right? At the bottom, at the top, but especially in the middle ground that I think churches and pastors and leaders have a responsibility to do better at. Yeah, and I would I, I agree with you. And I think that um, what's interesting about those questions to me is that they're really questions about, that are qualitative questions and not quantitative questions. And so I think that um, what's, you know, um, in, we, we work in a quantitative world, you know, where dollars and cents are the things that make businesses run. Um, and so it's about... Uh, a quantity. It's about achieving quantity oftentimes. Um, and, 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 you know, I work in the medical field and a lot of people are surprised to, to learn that is absolutely true in the medical field. You feel it as a patient as much as we feel it as providers of medicine. Um, and, you know, it, and it's a lot of that is being driven by administration who is looking at bottom lines. Like, you know, we've got to keep the lights on. And so we've got to get more widgets, you know, more, uh, we've got to create more widgets. Um, <clears throat> and I'm looking at that very harshly, but you know, um, that, that's the truth. And so, um, anyway, the, the quality no. part, that quality yeah. question Stay is an important that. question because, um, you know, the, uh, it, it, it's, it's sort of along the lines of soft skills. Like how do you, how do you know if you have a good work? If you're a hiring person, how do you know if you have a good worker? Well, you know, that, I think everybody who's hired anybody knows the pitfalls of hiring directly off of a resume is those are hard and fast. Those are quantity um, items. And a lot of times you can't get a sense for the quality of the person, even though they might have produced, they might be not a quality person. If And so it, along the lines of, you know, this discussion, we're talking about, you know, giving yourself that same, uh, you know, uh, evaluation at the end of the day is to say what I notice about what he said is he, his questions had nothing to do with quantity. Yeah. And I think that's interesting from a, um, and again, I, I, I'm a little cynical about that okay. because my, my thought is, is this guy's a business leader and his, he's coaching other leaders who then have to, in order to make a paycheck, they've got to produce quantity. They've got to make something that produces a dollar bill at the end of the day. And so um, that's, oh, I'm no, challenging that's that that's a little fair. bit. Because so my question to you would be, at the end of the day, do you think quality or quantitative? Do you think about what you produce that day that determines whether or not you had a good day? Or do you think about the soft skills of your day, I, just as a person in your field? Yeah. So the value that I... Um, I, I feel like I'm constantly fighting value systems when it comes to quality or quantity. Um, in, in, you know, my, the work that I that do right now has been very gracious. I, there isn't that much focused on quantity, but, um, you know, I have worked for places in the past that it's all about quantity, seems like, um, but you can't lose that quality. You know, you, you have to have the same quality, but with more quantity. 
and that's always seems to be the, and I think that's probably the, the case for, you know, anybody working in, in business. In any case, as I, to answer your question, Eric, um, I, I feel like the, the true value of what I do is all qualitative. The true value of what I do has everything to do with quality. Um, but, um, the, the, what I'm asked at the end of the day by my, um, administration of my superiors is nothing to do with quality. It's always about quantity. And I'm not saying that's a conversation that's had very often currently with what I do, but that seems to be the case. Like there's an assumption that you will always be quality, but did you get enough of that quality? And so that's, that's where it's really gets hairy as a, you know, a person who's trying to be in, you know, have integrity and look, we all want to produce something of quality. We all do. Um, you know, I think if our hearts are in the right place, we want to produce something of quality, but you know, we have to ask ourselves, you know, um, and so I've got to, I've got to, you know, I've got to prove that what I did was quality enough, you know, Absolutely. in my workplace. Okay. So my, I guess some of the questions, this is fascinating to me yeah. because this is a conversation we're also having on a national level. Yeah. We have people who hate president Trump yeah. because of the type of person right the soft stuff the yeah. way he talks about people the the tone the right. that and so you have this conversation nationally like does it matter that he accomplishes a or b or the type of person he is right or in as a national conversation we are having this debate there are people who are saying it doesn't matter what he accomplishes because the way he did it was so terrible right and you have other people who say i don't really care about how he's treating people i just want these things these goals reached right and then when you're at work the question is are there people that are excelling at your work and producing? I mean, they're right. they're they're the workhorses, whatever. On the bottom line, it's that person's name because they're they're putting yeah. out, but they are jerks or they're terrible people. <clears throat> and do they get up? Do they get a pass for being a crank or 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 whatever because they produce? Yes. So in our work lives, are we really betraying? our mission or our values because we actually promote the people who are the worst people, but they produce the best. Yes. And Christians and churches are saying, be the best person, which actually undervalues or, or under equips them because when they get in the real world, it's not really going to be about the type of person you are. It's about the type of work you're able to do. Exactly. And so that produces a conflict. It Absolutely. My faith says, be the good person. My work says, be the best producer. And I don't know, as a person pulled between two horses, how to actually operate in this environment. Yes, that's it exactly. And um, you know, I mean, along those lines, I, I you know, um, you know, my, you know, I have a good friend who uh, quit her job um, <clears throat> because she was the top producer, but she felt terrible about herself um, mm-hmm. for being the top producer. She was the top producer month after month after month in in a job um, that. You know, and, and she felt pressure from her um, superiors. I mean, she was a small company, but, um, you know, she was she was accomplishing the tasks. And um, she was, uh, the type of job that she was doing, just as an example, just to kind of give you some reference, was um, she was uh, a headhunter. So her job was to get people who um, needed work and to find them the work that they needed <clears throat> and connect them with the company that they needed. And... 
she said she felt terrible about the fact that she was taking 15% of their income for her services. And so she, you know, but, <clears throat> and, and oftentimes this is the detail of, you know, the, the, where the detail is missed is that, you know, her name was at the top of the list every time for production, but um, she was having to not give the whole truth to the people that she was um, ultimately hooking up between one, you know, between the need for work and the actual employment. And so oftentimes, you know, it, it was in a competitive market. This was over in Seattle where there's, you know, you're basically trying to get people to go from Amazon to Microsoft and back. Um, and so, um, and, uh, and other, you know, tech type companies. And so, you know, she would, she, you know, these are people who are sp- super specialized in their fields and you know to them they're they're saying oh yeah i can get paid, <coughs> excuse me you know i can get paid 10% more to work at the next company and she's saying yeah you can get paid 10% more to work at the next company but um not knowing that person not knowing that employee not knowing that they're actually worked worth 30% more mm-hmm. to the next company and so her you know in her field she felt terrible about you know taking that extra 20% that that person could be using for their family for their future for their own ideas and you know but that is the kind of thing that i think oftentimes we're we're being as workers asked to do it's like you know take a piece of the pie because the piece is out there and it's just ours for the taking the question is how do we do that honorably how do we do that and she couldn't do it you know um, and so, um, you know, I, there's a and dissonance there. It is. And plenty of rich people, successful people, people at the very top kill themselves. We, yes. we know, we oh. again know that, that reaching the top of that ladder or, or being the best at something doesn't guarantee that your quality of life or, or the type of satisfaction that you have inside yourself or the person that you want your kids to be or or the person you would hope your wife or or husband sees you <clears throat> these things matter and ultimately as christians do i get the does god's pleasure rest upon my work life right does he look at the way i am and the way i navigate all these things you're talking about in a way that honors him and that he says at the end of the day good and well done servant right. you yes. know yeah and those are challenging um, conversations. And hopefully these podcasts and whatever other resources people have in their own personal conversations with one another, we're working out what that looks like. That is supposed to be what Christian discipleship is, where we, in community, yeah. talk about our lives and talk about the conflicts between ethics and principles and values and production and how to be a light in a dark place, how to be loving and serving and kind people when you're being forced or taught to be something else. Right. This is the place where we pray for one another, we teach one another, we read scripture, we try to be shaped and formed to be the people that God is pleased with and and that we feel at the end of the day we've done good work or we've done it well or we're doing it for the right reasons um but there's a lot of i think blind spots like you've brought up Mm -hmm. in this conversation and i hope in the future we can have more uh that challenge that and maybe help us see clearly yeah and i think we will and i think there's you know uh you know we've got we've got other uh, ideas lined up, other shows lined up with some more specificity and, and just getting into the details and the nitty gritty and the humanness of work. 
um, that is challenging. Um, and so, you know, I look forward to having those conversations as well. Yeah, and I think the next one that we kind of talked about was there was a comment made at our men's retreat or men's camp where someone said they enjoyed being with a group of men that they were able to talk and and uh, relate to and have real maybe uh, a more I can't remember what his words were but he he referenced how the relational work life that he has is yeah. so contrary to his Christian faith that yeah. it was like a breath of fresh air being among people he didn't have to constantly walk on glass or yeah. or struggle with and I I think that's again another challenging right. place how do you just how do you bring your authentic self to a relationships at work with so many diverse and conflicting values and ideas of what's true, uh, that can be a very lonely place. Yeah. And as a Christian, trying to figure that out in the workplace is also another challenge. So maybe that's a upcoming yeah. discussion as well. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Patrick. Have a good day. You too.